Good morning. My name is Greg Lyons, and I am a church planter in Metro Manila, Philippines. What you just saw on the screen. Hey, look at that. All right. What you just saw on the screen was a quick video about one of the ministries that we are involved in in Metro Manila, our evangelistic camp ministry. And last year was a pretty slow year because of the COVID situation that everybody is fully aware of. But we had thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ in spite of the pandemic. What do you think about that? I'm here to tell you that, you know, you just can't stop the gospel. It doesn't matter what's going on in our world. I don't believe God was surprised early last year when the pandemic began to spread around the world. In fact, what I have found in the Philippines and in other countries of Asia that I travel in is that the pandemic has actually heightened awareness for God. The truth is, you're thinking about how long your life is going to be. I mean, how many of you have ever got a cough and then you went and thought, man, maybe I need a test today, you know? I mean, that's the world we live in today. Everybody's conversation begins with, oh, yeah, and COVID. Well, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it may start with that, but it can end with the gospel being shared with somebody. And that's what we are all about as we work in Metro Manila, Philippines. Now, Man Metro Manila is a little bit larger than Anchorage. I don't know if you know that. 25 million people in Metro Manila, okay? I was telling a class earlier today that the, that the, the, the oxygen level here in Alaska is a lot better than in Metro Manila, okay? In Manila, we see the air we breathe, all right? And so I'm really on a high as soon as I landed here and came gone around here. So if you, act, if you find me acting a little loopy, it's partly the air, but it's mostly the Great Commission that motivates me. And that's why we're here to talk today. The, the, the gospel is moving in Metro Manila. Now, we have a very young country in the Philippines. 70% of our population is under the age of 25. 50% 19 and below. It is an incredible open door to the gospel. And I believe that God is doing something unique in the Philippines because God is raising up an army. If you think about it a minute and you follow the trend of the gospel, it began in Jerusalem. It moved westward a little bit north into Asia Minor. It went into Eastern Europe, went up into the Scandinavians. The Scandinavian countries were great missionary sending nations in one generation. It moved to Great Britain, and Great Britain then became the great missionary sending nation. You remember uh, Adoniram Judson and, and, and all of those others that went to other countries, Livingston and all of those left from there. And then it jumped across the Pacific Ocean to the United States. States, and we have become an incredibly send, great sending nation, but the gospel is still moving. There are two countries in Asia where the gospel has taken deep root, South Korea and the Philippines. If you think about it, the rest of Asia is virtually unreached. I mean, it's filled with Islam and Buddhism and Shintoism and Confucianism and Hinduism. The, 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 the wrong, false religions of our world is all located there. But yet these two nations, 
God put his hand on, and it's not just a harvest. It is a great harvest of the gospel that's happening in these countries. And why is that happening? I believe God is raising up the next sending nations for this 21st century, and the Philippines will be the launching pad for the gospel in the days to come. I'm here to tell you that God is doing a great work there, and the camps have been able to do that. By the way, out on the table, we have a card. If you want a copy of that video, grab the card, and you can, you can be part of what we're doing even in the Philippines. I'm going to talk to you uh, about a story, an ancient story found in Numbers chapter 13. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the first five books of the Old Testament, but it's an incredible story of God's hand and people that had the opportunity to change the world that they lived in. Now, I want to start with a couple of questions. Your first question, if you were faced with a problem and knew that God was poised and ready to provide all you need to solve that problem, how would you respond to the problem? Very differently, am I right? If you were presented an opportunity, not just any opportunity, but an, a life-changing opportunity, and you knew that God had prepared all of the resources you needed, all of the financing, all of the personnel, everything you needed, that if you just accepted the opportunity, you could change the trajectory of your life, how would you respond? There's a concept among the super wealthy that is called unlimited capital. It is the mentality that you, you embrace and you say that it doesn't matter what the opportunity will cost or what investment is necessary, I will take that opportunity because the returns will be overwhelming, an unlimited capital mentality. And I'm here to tell you today that our relationship with God gives us access to unlimited capital that we have the opportunity to do anything that God calls us to do, and God is honor-bound to provide and lead us through that opportunity. It was the same opportunity that's found here in Numbers chapter 13. Let's begin reading. We're going to read portions of this chapter, but just to give you a little bit of the background. Numbers 13 is the story of when Moses sent the spies into Canaan to view the opportunity of conquering the land. And it begins, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe and of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness to Paran according to the command of the Lord. All of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Jump down to verse 21. And so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath, and it continues on to describe all the places that they went within the 40 days. Look at verse 25. It says, And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days, and now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows. 
with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb and Joshua were the two spies out of the 12 that saw the incredible opportunity. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background. These spies and the children of Israel are the people that just came out of Egypt. According to biblical scholars, approximately two years has expired between the time they crossed the Red Sea to this part of history. So imagine, you can remember two years ago, you can remember what went on. If you were part of the children of Israel and you personally walked across the Red Sea on dry land and saw God crush the remaining superpower on the planet through his mighty power as they entered the sea and the sea consumed them, how would that affect your mind? These are the same people that experienced the 10 plagues of Israel and how that God rescued them and saved them from everything that happened. They went through the first Passover in Egypt. They understood and saw the mighty hand of God. But not only that, this is the same people that saw Moses go up to Mount Sinai and receive the 10 commandments. They saw the Levitical priesthood establish the tabernacle built. They experienced God providing their food miraculously through manna and quail. They, they had all of this in their recent history. It's not something that they heard from their fathers. They personally experienced it. And they stand on the edge of the promised land, sent as spies, not to create fear, but to see an incredible opportunity. They had been hearing about this land for years, and it's been in their generation, and it was all coming to this point. And they went in, and 10 of them came back filled with fear and no faith, but two stood for the truth. You know, it's very similar to what we are facing today. We live in a world unlike any other generation in history. Now, my father is a missionary, and Anchorage Baptist partners with my father. I grew up on the mission field. My father is 86 years old and still a full-time missionary. Can you, can you believe that? I mean, give it up. 
Boyd Lyons and Donna Lyons went to the Philippines many years ago, and I was with them. I was just a young boy of four years old, and I was on a ship when we went, you know. And back then, in the mid-60s, when my parents moved to the Philippines, you didn't take a plane to the mission field. You got on a ship. It took a month to get there, okay? And, uh, and I remember just vaguely in my mind the, the little the, the time on that ship from my parents and, and getting there and, and arriving on the field. And, and it was just, I mean, you, you left on the ship with no return ticket. It was a one-way trip. Now, you get on a plane, you're anywhere in the world in 24 hours. Am I right? There was no short-term mission trips back then in the 60s. I'm telling you, if you went, you didn't come back. That's the way it was. We live in a different day. We live in a day and age that you can uh, FaceTime anybody around the world and share the gospel with a friend in another country. We can, we can disciple even. Th- in fact, in our discipleship in Manila, we call it Skypleship because you can do it on Skype and avoid the traffic of going back and forth to the city. In fact, the truth is we have the promise of God that the gospel will flow to every person in the world before he returns. It's found in Matthew 24 and verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. The truth is, is that the enterprise of the gospel is, will be a successful enterprise. The enterprise of the gospel is not something that people will wonder if it will happen. God has already prophesied that the gospel will go forth to the ends of the earth. It will be preached to all people. It is not a matter whether the gospel will go out. It is simply a matter of what your participation will be in it. Whether you will look at it and see fear and hesitation like the 10 spies or see opportunity and live by faith like Joshua and Caleb. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and I am with you always even to the end of the age. Not only has God commanded us to go, he has offered his presence with us throughout the entire process. We are on the brink of an incredible opening of the gospel to the world. And I will say that the pandemic has hastened the opportunity, that there are places now that are more open to the truth than ever before. People are thinking about it. People are concerned about it. It's not a political issue in many places. It's frankly a personal issue, and those people are open to hear about the gospel. In Manila, just this past weekend, Manila, Manila, by the way, Sunday is already finished in Manila. I don't know if you know that. We're ahead of, head of, uh, the, of Alaska, and we've already had a great Sunday. We've had an evangelistic camp that happened on Saturday, and we brought in hundreds of young people. Now, we have to do this undercover because the COVID rules in the Philippines right now is anybody over 65 is not allowed out of the house, okay? And if you're 18 and below, you're not allowed. You're not supposed to be allowed out of the house. But we got special permission, so from, you know, please understand we're following all the protocols and 
and we're doing everything. We wear face masks and face shields everywhere we go in Metro Manila. And we do all of that. But you know, we were able to find a way through our goodwill that we have built with the different government officials and got places that, that were acceptable by the, by the government and fulfilled all the protocols that they required. And we were able to bring hundreds of young people that have never heard the gospel. Can you imagine a teenager being stuck in a home for 17 months? My goodness, don't even worry about the teenager. The parents are going nuts is what's going on. But yet, when you offer them an opportunity to come to an engaging experience like what you viewed on the, on the screen earlier and you end it with the presentation of the gospel, we have seen since the beginning of this year more than 7,000 young people saved doing these kind of things. I am here to tell you that the gospel is not stoppable. You cannot stop it. It doesn't matter what goes on in our world. If you will just embrace the opportunities that God gives you and pursue it with vigor and with relentless passion, you will see God move. Unfortunately, I think most people don't see it that way. I think many Christians, in fact, kind of enjoy just sitting around and being at church. But I'm here to tell you, you were not saved to come and sit in a pew at church. You were saved to be part of the Great Commission. I want to share with you four simple things, four things how you can achieve God's greatest challenge today. The first one, and I'm pulling them out of this passage and we'll move into chapter 14 briefly toward the end. But the first one is accept the call. Accept the call. Moses in, in verse three sent them out. God has given us a call in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Some of God's call is more specific as mentioned in Ephesians chapter four and 11 and 12 where God calls some to be pastors and teachers and some to be evangelists and some to be other things and God has special call. I have one of those calls on my life. I believe that in every congregation and every church and even here at Anchorage Baptist Temple that, that it is still God's purpose to call people to his work. And I would be very open with you today as I was praying, coming up to speak at your church, my prayer was that God would call people from this church to be missionaries, from this congregation to change paths. Can I tell you about my call and how I ended up on the mission field? As I said, I uh, grew up in the home of a missionary. When I graduated from high school, uh, I, I came to the States and my dad is from a very small town in Iowa, southern Iowa. There, in in the, the town near where my dad was born was called Bloomfield, Iowa, 2,500 people in this town, okay? So I come from millions in Manila to Bloomfield, Iowa. It didn't even qualify to have a Dairy Queen, okay? It had a dilly bar that closed at eight o'clock on Sunday night. And so if the pastor preached too long or nobody responded to the invitation and it kept being extended, I would miss my ice cream at the dilly bar because that's all we had. And I thought, man, my brother was there. 
That summer I was working and, and trying to save up, trying to figure out. My desire at that moment was to be a millionaire. I figured my dad was a missionary. I'm going to be another pro uh, profession that begins with M, millionaire, okay? And I wanted to find a wife, a Christian girl that I could marry. But honestly, there wasn't enough girls in Bloomfield, Iowa to pick from. 25. There were people in this town that had never been out of the county. Okay, I'm like, wow. You know, they think a big deal is going to Keith's IGA grocery store. And I'm like, I can't do that. You know. So I talked to my brother and he says, well, hey, why don't you go to Bible college? I said, well, I'm really not called into the ministry. He says, there's lots of girls there. I said, I'm in. <laughs> He says, they're all looking for husbands. I said, yeah, sign me up. And so I went to Bible college. I remember back then you didn't sign up online. I'm so old, you didn't do that, okay? And I showed up in line and they had the girls in one line, the guys in the other line. I'm standing in line, I'm looking at the girls line and I'm thinking, wow, there's option one, okay. Two, yeah, okay. I'm just checking it out. I get down to the front. I didn't realize I was at the front. They says, hey, what are you here for? And I said, oh, I'm here to sign up for Bible college. She says, okay, what do you want to study? And I said, I don't know. What do you got? And uh, she says, your, your dad's a missionary. I said, yeah, missions. I said, nope, nope, nope. I already did that. I'm not going to be that. And, and they said, well, how about being a pastor? I said, nope, don't want to do that. And she says, well, all we got left is the music major. I said, girls like musicians. Sign me up. Okay. <laughs> Boom. And I was a music major. That's where I met one of your former teachers here, Eddie Bowden, who used to, was my classmate in school. I don't know if you know Eddie. Uh, and, and Linda was in school there with us. And so I uh, was a music major, but I was there to find a wife. And in my freshman English class, this gorgeous girl with blue eyes, oh my goodness, sat down beside me and I was done. I'd found her. Took me a while to convince her, but I stayed with her. She's with me today. Luann, where are you? I don't know where you're. There she is, over there, over there. Give it up for Luann. She's still as beautiful today as ever. She sat down beside me, and I finally got the nerve up to ask her out. We went out, our first date. She said, uh, I, 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 okay, don't ever do this, but I did this, okay? I told her I was going to marry her on the first date, okay? Now, in my defense, in my defense, I had a list of qualities that I was looking at, and I was interviewing her the whole date, and I got to the end. She hit every one of them. I said, you're it, you know? She said, you are nuts. I don't want to be around you anymore. She said, she said well, what are you going to do? I said, she said, you're going to be a missionary. I don't want to be a missionary. I didn't come to college to be a missionary. I wanted to be a youth pastor's wife or a pastor's wife or something like that. And I said, well, I'm not going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a millionaire. I said, you got to understand, if you hang with me, you're going to be dripping in jewels. Oh, man. She believed me. All right. <laughs> We live in Manila, she drips, it's hot there, not in jewels, okay? It was after we got through college and we went to Colorado Springs, we were living, starting a business that I remember we had, we had gotten married, we had our first child, and it was my son's, my oldest son's first birthday. I don't know of those of you who have children, you remember that? That for your first child, your first birthday, it was incredible. I was wanting to say something profound to him as a new father, and I began to tell him about the great heritage uh, that he had, and that his great-great-grandfather was a believer, and his great-grandfather was a believer, and his grandfather was a Great man. He was a missionary. He planted hundreds of churches in the Philippines. 
And then I thought, what is he going to say about me? My mind just rushed into the future, and I thought, well, I could see him holding my first grandson on his knee. Surely he would name him Greg Jr., you know. <sighs> he's got him on the knee, Greg Jr. He's telling about his great-great-great-grandfather and his great-great-grandfather. Oh, yeah, and your great-grandfather is a great man. He's a missionary. He planted churches. Oh, yeah, Grandpa Greg, he made a lot of money. Now, I'm not opposed to people making a lot of money. I like friends who make a lot of money, okay? That's all right uh, there. But when I began to think through that, I thought, God, is that what you want me to do? And I realized at that moment that you really had only one life. And once it's spent, it's spent. And if you get to the end or the middle of your life and you start thinking and you say, man, I wish I would have done that when I was younger, then you may have been on the wrong path. And that's a serious reality to hit when you hit midlife or even when you turn into a senior. And I said, God, now my son, remember my son's sitting on my knee, cake all over his face, and I'm having a conversation with God. And I said, God, I am not running from you. I am not a Jonah. I need to know if you want me, because if you want me, I will do it. And at that moment, I bowed my head, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ to be a missionary. And I tell you what, I had to go talk to Luann, because <laughs> I had made a promise to her. And I said, hey, honey, we're not going to be millionaires. We're going to be missionaries. And by God's grace, she said, well, I'm not called, but I married you and I'm with you. So if it's Manila, I'm in. And it was a year later after going back to Bible college because, uh, uh, oh, I didn't tell you that I flunked out the last year because I already got married. I didn't need to finish, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was done with that. Uh, so I had to go back to Bible college and finish up, get our missionary qualifications. And she came to me and she said, I'm in. God has touched my heart. We've been missionaries now for over 35 years. I tell you what. And if you were to ask me today if I'd change anything, I would say this. I wouldn't change anything. It's been an incredible ride with God. It's like God has got me on this bus rushing me through Metro Manila. Every once in a while, he pulls up, kicks me off the bus, says, Lions, go do something there. And we do something. We did the camp, and it exploded on us. We lost control of it, you know. And I'm having a great time. He pulls me back on the bus, and boom, we go off. And it's been an incredible adventure. I wouldn't trade it for the world. If you're looking for a life that would be an incredible adventure with God, then you ought to be a missionary, I'm going to tell you. Now, I'll be honest. We can't take all of you at once. You know, just not enough room on the bus, Okay. But I'll take some of you because God is still calling people today. The first thing to achieve God's greatest challenge is accept the call. Second, Moses activated leaders. Moses identified and empowered the leaders in verses 1 and 3 of the passage. God has called people 
And maybe as I am speaking already in your heart, the Holy Spirit is just pricking your heart saying, you could do that. You could be a missionary. You know what you need to do? You need to activate that in your heart. You need to embrace it. You need to say, yes, I will go. God said, Jesus said in Matthew 9, 36 to 38, when after Jesus had gone to all the villages and all the, the, the cities and the region and preached the gospel of the kingdom and he viewed the villages and he said, the sheep are, are without a shepherd, he said. He said, go and pray the Lord of harvest that he would call men into his harvest because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. I'm gonna ask you this question. If God were to call Anchorage Baptist Temple to win one other city other than Anchorage, and if God were to put it on your shoulders to reach Metro Manila with the gospel of Jesus Christ, a city of 25 million people, how many missionaries would you send? One, 10. Let me put this in perspective, 25 million people. If we had a thousand churches, all of them with an attendance every weekend of a thousand people, you would have a million people going to church in Metro. That's a lot of people, right? You know how many would not be in church? 24 million. Do we need more missionaries there? Absolutely. God is wanting you to give your life to him to be in his work. Activate leaders. I go around and preach and I've learned for years of being a missionary that the answer to the missionary problem is not more money. God has plenty of money. You know what the answer is? It's more people. It's more missionaries. Because as more people surrender and give their lives to be missionaries, to be pastors, to be, to be gospel trainers, then God will provide all the finances that you need. It, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to live in fear. God is in control of that. Activate leaders. Second, thirdly, assess the opportunities. When Moses called the leaders, when Moses activated them, he then sent them out into the, the land of Canaan to look at the opportunities. You know, have you ever thought about the opportunities around you? I wanna give you three simple areas to consider. Personally, who has God placed around you? Who, who are you working with? Do you have a boss that is in need of the gospel? You know the boss that really irritates you? If you anybody ever have a boss that like, you're like, oh my goodness. Is he coming back today, you know? And you're all upset, you know? I'm not talking about the pastor because I know he's out of town, okay? All right. But you have a boss that, you, you know, that, that is really hard on you or something like that. I'm telling you, you know, maybe you are there not to be irritated by the boss, but you are there to be a gospel witness to the boss. Maybe you have a neighbor that lives near you. Anybody have a neighbor that drives you nuts? Any, don't point, okay, if, you're in, if, if they're here. Okay. I mean, the neighbor that's got like a, you know, an engine hanging in the tree out in front of their house or something like that. 
You know, could it be that God in his great design enabled that person to pick a house to be, for you to be li living next to, not to irritate you, but for the gospel's sake? Somebody in school, somebody, a friend that you meet, all of these are opportunities that you should assess and take action for the gospel. Of course, opportunities here in Anchorage and the entire state of Alaska, but there are other opportunities around the world, global opportunities. God is opening up more opportunities today for the gospel than ever before in human history. Some of you remember during the Reagan years that the Iron Curtain fell, isn't that right? and that, that God opened up the entire Eastern block of countries to the gospel. And now we have missionaries in there. Years ago, when I became a missionary, the, the, the statement that missionaries would say, please help us get to the field because the doors are closing. Now what we're saying is we need more missionaries because more do doors are opening. I wanna show you a map of the world today. This map shows how many people are located in the region of Asia. I believe they have it on the screen there. There are more people in Asia than anywhere on the planet. One out of every two people in the world live in Asia. There's more people from the area of the Middle East to the Pacific Rim and from, uh, from Japan and Korea down to uh, Indonesia than anywhere else on the planet. It is an incredible opportunity. There are, Muslim, there are Buddhists that are moving from Myanmar to Malaysia to work that God has unlocked the gospel to them. There are people that are, that are having unrest even in countries like Thailand where the young people are raising up and are frustrated with Buddhism and are asking for more answers. Do you know that about the country of Cambodia? Cambodia, 25 years ago, had less than one half of 1% Christian, but in 25 years, it is now numbered in the top 10 fastest growing Christian communities on the planet, nearing 4%. Yes, why is that happening? That's happening because God is opening up more opportunities. There's an ASEAN association of Southeast Asian nations where they are allowing people to move within countries just with an ID that is being established in Southeast Asia. Opportunities are over the top. One of the passions that we are working on right now is the city of Bangkok. Now, I'm a city missionary, okay? I don't live in a grass hut. If I get 20 minutes away from a Starbucks, I could have convulsions, okay? <laughs> That's where I'm at. So I like big cities. Bangkok, Thailand, one of the great cities of our world. My wife and I were going there on the way to Cambodia one time, and I have a friend who's a businessman there. His name is Rayong, and Rayong, you know, I was really looking forward to some great Thai food. It's, they have really good Thai food in Bangkok. That's really the factory of it, okay? And uh, I was looking forward to that, and, uh, and Rayong picks me up at my hotel, and we're, we're out running around, and he says, well, before we go to eat, I want to take you somewhere. And he takes me to the sports center, and he shows me around of the sports center, and it was great. Had three soccer fields under roof, fully lit, two NBA level basketball courts, badminton courts, I mean ancillary rooms. It was beautiful, million dollar plant. 
and we looked around there and he takes me to another one and, and about that time I'm getting hungry, I'm ready for dinner, you know, and, and, and we're looking around the second sports center. I said, Rayong, this is great. I said, but I don't know if you understand, I'm not going to be a member of your sports center. I don't live in Bangkok. I live in Manila. He says, I know, I know. He says, you're missing the point, Greg. I said, help me, clue me in. What is the point? He says, he walks me over to a room in, in the sports center and he points to it and he says, I want you to see this room. This is the worship room. I said, what? He says, yeah, I said, just a room. He says, no, no, no. We are calling this the worship room. I said, why? He says, because my friend who we're in partnership with has built these sports centers all over Bangkok. And I've convinced him that in every one of his sports centers, he needs to turn one of the rooms into a worship room. I said, for what? He says, to plant a church there. I said, really? He said, yes. I said, how many of these sports centers do you have? He says, eight. The ninth one is in construction, and we plan to build one of these in every major city of Thailand. We will have 70 when we're finished. Incredible. I said, well, you got eight already. I said, how many churches do you have? He says, one. He says, my church, I got to move into one of them to get the thing started. And I says, how come you don't have churches in the other sports centers? He says, I've been waiting for you to come because I'm here to ask you to send missionaries. Help me find church planters. You're the only church planter I know. We made a video of his appeal and you can see the sports centers of what we're talking about. You wanna see the video? We're gonna show the video about the Thai surge opportunity. If you could play the video. Hi, I'm here with my friend Rayong Kitapol, and we are in Bangkok, Thailand, and we are here at a sports center owned by a Christian man who has a vision to put a church in every one of his sports centers across Bangkok and, Lord willing, all throughout Thailand. Rayong, what would happen if people would see the vision here of planting a church in one of these sports centers here in Thailand. This is a great opportunity, Pastor Craig. It's not by chance that God put us, you and I, and a Christian businessman, together at this place, sports center. It's, a, it's in the middle of the community that you can do so many outreach, you can do so many interactive programs. You can do something live, something giving to the community from the sport. What kind of population is around this area? More than four, five hundred thousand people in this area. Imagine every sports center, uh, if we set it up, will be a place of worship. Oh, wow. A place to serve the community. That would be wonderful. That would be wonderful, yeah. We're praying that God will call more pastors, yes. even missionaries, to come and yes. reach the community in each of these sports centers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please send us some missionary from Philippines uh, come partnership with us in terms of helping us in sport outreach or any other area that we are not good at. Partnership with us, train us and teach us to reach out throughout Thailand community. Start with using the sports center. Please pray for Thailand and what the work that God is leading Rayong and Global Surge in doing. Thank you. In Thailand, we call Kop Kun Kap. 
Thank you very much. <laughs>
After the spies, other spies had told them that it was impossible to achieve the goal. And he says this, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I'm here to tell you that if you surrender to the call and choose to accomplish the goal of the gospel, God is with you, and you will achieve the goal. Embrace the courage to surrender. Engage financially. We need help planting these churches. By the way, it costs $6,000 a year to help plant a church in Thailand. We need to plant eight of them in 2021 and 2022. So we're asking God for $48,000 to enable us to accomplish this goal. And then enlist personally. Get into the game. Do something for the gospel.